the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Welcome to That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. I am your host, Nick DiGilio. I'm a podcaster, comedy writer, and performer, graduate of Second City, and a Saturday Night Live expert and historian. And each week on this podcast, we'll look back at everything SNL. The best, the worst, the good, the bad, the classic, the forgotten. We'll talk about full seasons and full casts, behind-the-scenes stories, episodes, SNL's historical significance, and much, much more. And sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't. But with every episode, I will always prove that that tired cliche, that show hasn't been funny in years, is absolutely wrong. And I do, indeed, have a guest on this episode, episode 22 of That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years. And I am unbelievably excited to welcome... Uh, someone who just completed their very first season on Saturday Night Live. Um, they made their debut on uh, season 48, and his name is Michael Longfellow. He was raised uh, and born and raised in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and I mentioned this, that his father uh, and his mother um, divorced, and uh, and his parents have remarried, and he's become... Uh, a, a, a great stepchild. I mentioned that because it's part of his comedy. He's done uh, a bunch of stand-up. He moved to L.A. He's been on television all over the place. He was on a Netflix uh, uh, comedy series. He was on Conan. He was on the reality competition series called Bring the Funny, which we'll talk a little bit about more. And last year, he became uh, a, a member of Saturday Night Live's cast. He is a featured player on SNL, and he just completed his first season. He is very, very funny and contributed a lot of really great stuff to a pretty solid season of Saturday Night Live. And I'm very excited to welcome him to the show, uh, his first time on this podcast, my first time talking to him. Uh, he's in the middle of doing a really extensive, fantastic stand-up tour, of which he just played uh, Zanies here in Chicago, and he's taken the time to talk to us about SNL and about his time as a stand-up comedian, and I am so thrilled and honored to welcome to That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, Michael Longfellow. Thanks, man. All right. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, and, uh, and you, you're, uh, you're in town. Uh, it's, I was talking to you uh, before we started recording. Only your second time in Chicago. What was the first time? Uh, the first time I was doing college show, Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois University yeah. uh, with Devin, with Devin Walker. And then we went uh, down to Chicago for the night. And now you and Devin are cast members. Uh, how about that? This was, this was, yeah, we already were. But oh, you already were was, at that point. Uh, I think I think Northern Illinois only would have had us if we were cast members. Uh, so, oh, I see. <laughs> well, you like doing the stand. I mean, obviously, you started out as a stand-up. Uh, uh, that's where you where you where you started comedy, right? I mean, you moved from Arizona, where you grew up, to uh, to LA to do stand-up. You love stand-up. Yeah, I love stand-up. I was doing it for a while in Arizona, and then went to LA because uh, I don't know. There's no 
It's not Arizona's no uh, place for entertainment. I was. <laughs> it's not a hub. I, I mean, it is, say, but there's what's like. The, what's the What's the stand up scene? Can you describe the stand up scene in Arizona? If there is one, it was actually really good. Now that yeah. I travel to other ones and uh, have seen like how kind of rare it is that a good com that like city has a good comedy scene. Yeah. Yeah, you could get up most nights at open mics, and then there were a lot of comedy clubs. So like the game was kind of getting in with the club and hosting and featuring and stuff. And yeah. there were enough clubs that you could, you know, it was a good, it was a really good place to start now that I yeah. look back on it. Yeah. How did you get into stand-up? What was it? Were, 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 were there certain things that you watched on television or did you listen to stand-up? Was it some, what, what got you that you wanted to do comedy? Yeah, all that. I always listened to it and loved it. I don't know why I decided to do it. I yeah. find it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, to yeah, we're breaking sketches up and videos. Oh, we're breaking okay. up again. A little bit. Yeah, stay in that corner. I think we'll be all right, though. Okay. Um, all right. Um, I always want to make like videos and sketches, but it's hard to gather people, uh, you know, that don't want to be comedians and try to get them to do that. So stand up was easy. You could kind of do it yourself. Sure. And then, okay, so so uh, stand up. I mean, it's obviously a different animal to do in sketch comedy. Uh, do you do you have a preference? Do you like sketch comedy? Or do you like stand up? What do you like more? Do you like anything? Oh, I'll always be a stand up at heart. Yeah, I think. Uh, but I love sketch comedy. I think all the comedy forms are pretty. I think they're a lot more similar than I don't know. People make them out to be. I think if you can be in a room and make people laugh, you can figure out how to do it in a different way too yeah. i think the hard part is <laughs> making people laugh in the room mm -hmm. and so, i think yeah so i don't know so you were uh featured on uh on 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 a netflix special but you were also and this i wanted to jump into this really quick before we jump into snl because it kind of connects to snl you were on a a reality series that i watched called bring the funny <laughs> um, and uh, and I and I was rooting for you, by the way, on that show. I thought Thank you were you. terrific, man. And Thanks. and here's the connection, though. One of the judges on that show uh, is Keenan. Is Keenan Thompson? This is true. And tell me a little bit about how you got onto that reality show, how you got into Bring the Funny, and then did Keenan remember you when you got the gig? <laughs> um, I got into it. I don't know. I got a random. I had done a late night set. I think a year or two before that, and. My agent was like, there's this weird show. Or not my agent, my manager at the time. I didn't have an agent. But they were like, do you want to do this weird show? And I was not saying no to anything. So I did this. Yeah, I did Bring the Funny. It was, my mom said it was a terrible show. She said, it, it, it's, you're great on it, but it's hard to watch. <laughs> uh, I never watched it. But yeah, yeah I met Keenan there. I don't know if he remembered me. If he did, he didn't really let me know. I did bring it up. This year, yeah. I was like, oh, we met at Bring the Funny, but I, don't, I couldn't tell if he remembered or not. I think he did once I said that. Once you said that. So what, yeah. doing, a, doing a reality show like that, now your mom, and you know, you, you, you know your mom and your step-parents uh, and all these other, that, that's a, a, a huge part of your stand-up, which is also fucking hilarious, by the way. Um, really, really funny that you bring those into it. Before, before we jump back into that, how do, your, how, how do your relations, your, your, your parental relations, step and, and real uh, how do they react to the stuff that you say about them in your stand-up and in the bits that you do? Oh, they're all destroyed. I'm excommunicated from the family. <laughs> uh, no, they're all good sports. My dad is, I talk about him the most. Yeah. And he is, 
you know, a lot of the stuff I say is just how he is. So it's not really anything to be embarrassed about. He's very proud of who yeah. he is and the way he is. And so, yeah, he has a good sense of humor about it. Um, I think it's all good. I think maybe my mom's <laughs> boyfriend, Terry, once was like, he talks about me a lot. But <laughs> what does that mean? He, he talks about a, you. He's, I don't know. He's like, hey, can you do jokes about other things? I do, I've I have a lot of Terry material in his defense. I do. Yeah. But he's a hilarious individual. So if he was less hilarious, I would write less about him. It's right. Have you told him that? Did you say, hey, man, it's your fault, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I'm not saying anything not true. I'm just telling all my yeah. Terry material is almost just stories of Terry. Yeah. So I'm just relaying things that happened. So in this Bring the Funny thing, um, you know, for people who might not know, reality shows are not the most, you know, reality in the world. Mm. Uh, <laughs> can you give us a little insight as to what went on while you were doing that and uh, how natural it was, quote unquote? Yeah, I think so. I think whatever I signed has probably run out. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, reality shows are so weird, man. It was weird doing it. It was cool doing it because I was a young comic that, you know, was excited to be doing anything. And to be on TV was very helpful. But it was like, you know, it's reality TV, so you don't know. Yeah. Oh, I think we lost your foot. Hold on. Behind the scenes of Bring the Funny, it was, it was definitely weird. It's like a weird, just reality TV is strange. Uh, and it just like invokes the cringe in your soul. Um, but I just, you know, I was so happy to be there that I didn't really care. And I also had, there was a producer who I still am friends with and was one of the reasons I got the Netflix Fest and SNL stuff, Josh, who sort of was my guiding ship the whole time and really yeah. knows comedy and was protecting all of us, I think. Uh, but it was still an honor. I like, I got to meet Jeff Foxworthy and Keenan Thompson and Chrissy Teigen and stuff. That was cool. Yeah. Very, very I cool. love those. Yeah. Well, listen. How did you get SNL? Um, and and I had no idea. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the question I ask anybody who I ever have on this podcast who have been who you know uh, are cast members or were cast members, what'd you do for your audition and how'd that go? Um, I did stand up for my audition. There were two. I guess I got SNL. I just have I've been doing stand up like every day for like ten years, and one of those shows was an SNL audition. There was a live one in LA <clears throat> um, where Lauren, Lauren was there. I remember they told me that a minute before I went on stage. Oh. But I was so certain that no one gets SNL that it did not affect me at all. I was, I was like, guys, none of us are getting it, so stop being nervous. It's just nice to audition. Um, so I think that helped me do well. And then they yeah. flew me out to New York for the, you know, the weird silent kind of audition in the in the studio and i did stand up again but i did a different set than the first one mm -hmm. um, and some more physical kind of comedy did Blah. they did they make you do uh, uh did you did you go man shit i should probably do impressions did they did, did you think about that at all yeah definitely i have like a couple voices i do for some bits like a David Attenborough voice. And then I do have impressions, but they're kind of, they're more jokes. So I, as a joke was like, I'd like to do some impressions now to demonstrate range. And then my impressions would be like, this is JG Wentworth robbing somebody. And 
it would just be like, it's your money and I need it now. So not really a, it didn't actually show any of my ability as an actor or anything. Right. But, oddly, that, oddly, that hasn't made the show. That hasn't. Uh, yeah. that, that. I'm hanging on to that one. You're hanging on to Jay. You keep pitching that one. You can that see one that week. one at the yeah Rosemont this weekend. I'll be pulling that one out. JG, I would watch that. JG, that whole might be schedule. one of the first jokes I ever wrote, and I'm still. That, that's maybe the only one I'm still like doing. Yeah, that's well. So now you you were convinced at the first one in LA that you weren't going to get it when you got the call back to New York, where you're like, what the hell? Were you surprised? Yeah. Um. No, I don't know. I. After the show, I could tell that I did okay because everyone was really nice in a way that wasn't. You've after a while, you can like see when people mean it or not. Yeah, and I could tell they meant it, so I was like, okay, maybe I did pretty well. Um, I still didn't think I was like going to get it when they flew me out to New York or anything. Uh, but then that audition went okay too, and and then I started. I think I may have processed getting it the night after the audition, the second one, because I had a panic attack in my hotel room, and I don't know why. But I think it was like the idea of this new thing happening. Yeah. And how long had you been in L.A. at this point when you got the gig? I went to L.A. in 2016, so five, six years. Yeah. So you were already established in L.A. And were you like, okay, if I get this gig, I got to upheave, I got to move to New York. Oh, yeah, but I was happy to do it. Yeah. Had you been to New York before? Were you, 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 I'm sure you'd done stand-up and stuff in New York before. Once or twice, yeah. but it was always cold when I went, and I, I never really got a feel for the city. So I was brand new in New York when I moved there. Oh, man. Uh, well, what's it? You know, I mean, an Arizona guy, what's, and, and, and then L.A. Oh, my God. What the hell? I'm from Chicago, so I obviously know what it's like to walk outside when it's 80 below. Um, but yeah. what's that? What, what's that adjustment just on a physical and mental level for you? That was the biggest adjustment of the. I realized I'd never been cold before in my life. <laughs> not really, like not actual cold. It's a different type of cold out here. It's in the bones. Yeah, it is. But I started wearing long underwear, and that really changed the game. So the temperature change did affect you in... in uh, it did. I yeah. hated it. I was inside all the time. I became ghost white. So pale. <laughs> they hid that on the show with makeup, but I was so, transparent. Now, when you when you got the gig and you moved to New York, uh, did you get a place in Manhattan? Were you, on, were you in a different borough? Where, where were you living? I moved very, very close to the office because I was scared of New York. I didn't know how to get around, and I was worried that I would be late which I was right. I was almost late and I, I lived literally a three minute walk to the office. Oh my God. <laughs> um, but it's, it's a weird place to live. It's like just banks and steakhouses and, you know, I get my coffee from a, a Starbucks inside of a bank of America. It's not like the, the cute part of New York. Right. But since I'm new to it, it's all cute and cool to me. But every, every time I tell someone where I live, they're like, Oh my God, I didn't even know you could live over there. Yeah, I'm uh, you telling me this uh, and I'm thinking to myself, well, now you now that you know probably how much it cost you, you would have cho chosen maybe Brooklyn, perhaps if uh, you were more <laughs> now that I yeah, now that I have a feel and I know how to ride a subway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I could. Yeah, I'm definitely we're moving out of this apartment for sure. It okay. was a great first year little locker room. Yeah, 
but yeah, I'm going to find like a, a real neighborhood, yeah. you know, I feel like Spider-Man's going to swing past my window or something. Fighting <laughs> a villain. It's that kind of skyscrapery, oh, New man. York, New York. Uh, well, welcome to New York, man. There you go. So thank you. I, and that uh, being said, I love it. Yeah. Oh, well, but why I wouldn't you? Man? So, yeah, so the, so you, you mentioned that you were late, you were almost late going uh, to your, what was it like that first, when you got the gig and you get into the office and you know, another thing that, that is a, thing that you talk about all the time is that is the week the week leading up to that show i mean how insane is it to walk in there on a monday and then have to do a live show on a saturday give me an example of some of the shit that you have to do during that week uh it is insane but it's it's like canceled out by i know what else is out there i know what else i'd be doing if it wasn't this so i'm so happy to be doing this yeah but yeah no it is like it's a, it's, it's tough. To, apparently, it's a lot of work to put on a live comedy show in a week. Yeah, uh, it's it's <laughs> in a, it's very much Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday are the big. Those are the just you're not going to sleep a lot and it's yeah. go go go, and then after that it's kind of fun. It's like rehearsals, you know, and you're getting stuff down, and then Saturday comes and it's. It's the best, but it's also, you know, you're kind of on a tight rope until stuff happens. Yeah. Um, but it's it's cool. It's just cool walking into an office. It's cool having an office. I never... I always wanted one, but I didn't know if I'd ever have one. My right. dad was very happy about that, too. I took him just... to my office. And he was like, I cannot believe you have an office. I never thought you'd have one. So more impressed with the office than the fact that you're on television. <laughs> I don't know. I think equally, I think I finally got him. I finally got that dad. Yeah. I'm proud of you. You're doing well. You're good. You got, you got an office. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. Tell me about um, pitching stuff. Uh, 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 you know, um, and, and, and do, you, do you nuzzle up to the writers that like you? Uh, how does that work for you? I definitely, when I got there, I knew a few of the writers from stand up. So I, I would definitely go to them the most. But then as the season went on, you know, you just meet people and yeah, you kind of do find who you, it, like, it's weird. Like, even if you're, you vibe with someone really well, it doesn't necessarily mean that you guys are going to write something great. So you, you find the people that you write well with and there are still people that I didn't even get to write with that I, I want to next year and stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, you could, the pitching is, you know, you kind of walk into someone's office and you're like what about this and if they if it's funny enough you'll kind of uh talk it out for a while and draft it up and and then delete it all and have to start over <laughs> at, at nine o'clock at night right yeah but that's just that's how you get something good yeah i always will write like two sketches that i don't submit kind of on tuesday yeah um because they just something will change or we'll get some note and but it's it's always uh i don't know i feel like you don't get something good until like the third pass so 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 it, just in in terms of like uh I've, I've talked to people about this before sometimes you're featured on a show and you kill and you do like you know you're on the show like three or four times you get you're in three or four sketches or maybe you got a an update desk segment or something like that and then the next seat next week you're not on the show uh, how does it? <laughs> I mean, none of that's yeah. a regular thing. How does that feel? How do you deal with the up and downs of having a killer week and then like you're barely in the show the next week? Um, if you have a killer week, 
I don't know if I had any, but I, you know, if I, well, I did have some I, weeks where I was like, that was a good week. Yeah, I can name a, I can name a, I can name a few, man. They, thank like, you. I just yeah. don't want to say. Anything, yeah. No, nah, listen. Let me just say this: the barbershop sketch, the Chappelle. Uh, oh, thanks, man. That's one of the fucking funniest things. I, you are so hilarious, and I want to get to that in a second. But again, uh, so you, you, you get so that's something that you have to deal with, though. Like one minute you think you're a superstar, and the next minute you're like you're not on the show. You know, the next week. <laughs> it's a weird. It's a weird thing to deal with, right? Definitely. Yeah, it is. It's a, that is one part that can cause stress the most, I think. And even it never, you never get used to not being in the show, even if you had a good episode. Yeah. Uh, It is very, it's short, short memory, you know? Yeah. On Monday, it's all old news and you're back and. Yeah. You're back to square one. Yeah. You're back to square one. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think that it was a good cast this year where just from what I've heard from people that have, I don't know. It seemed like everyone was rooting for each other, and and it wasn't cutthroat or anything like that. It, um, uh, I've been watching the show since the first episode in 1975, uh, which is why I have a podcast dedicated to Saturday Night Live. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> geek, and I love this current cast. And one of the things I love about this current cast is, in fact, what you just said. You can feel that when you watch it. You can feel that everybody's having a good time and they're supporting one another. And I follow a lot of you guys on social media and stuff, and I see how supportive other people are of themselves, and they put their they put clips up and, uh, and you know, and, and say, hey, this my friend killed this week and, and all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I can feel you can feel that. And you got a great cast, man. I mean, there's some so many funny people um, in agree. this cast. And uh, and I'm particularly fond and I'm not just I'm just saying this, I'm particularly fond of the ladies. I think that you have an incredibly strong group of women on that show this for the past couple of seasons. I mean, um, and it's, it's, it's gotta be fun working with somebody as insane as Sarah, Sarah Sherman, who I, <laughs> who I've seen here in Chicago. She did a lot of work here in Chicago, with Sarah Squirm. In fact, I'm going to see her in a couple of weeks. Um, so I've seen her insane crap. And when she got on the show a couple of years ago, I'm like, how the hell is she going to be? What are they, <laughs> how is she going to be able to be on Saturday Night Live? <laughs> and yet they fit her in, in a way that was really brilliant. All that stuff that she does with Joe on update is fantastic. And mm-hmm. you know, the meatball thing in the eyes and all that stuff, that's very Sarah squirm like, and they were able to bring her stuff into that. And, and I think that's like a strength of the writing and a strength of hiring people like for you. They're bringing you in and doing some really great stuff. Let me play. Let me just play something really quick. Okay, Michael. Please. Okay, this is uh, the first. This is the the season day. The season uh, uh, premiere of last season, season forty eight. Let me just say this, uh, and I'll play a quick bit of this, and then I want to talk about it. Okay. All right. Here we go. Euphoria star Sydney Sweeney received backlash when Instagram photos from a family event suggested her parents might be Trump supporters. Here to comment is one of our new cast members, Michael Longfellow. Hey! Hello! Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Colin. Hey, Michael. So, uh, what do you think of Sydney Sweeney getting all this backlash for having conservative parents? Well, my family's from Arizona, so if you can get in trouble for what your parents think, uh, it's been a good run. They're conservative? Well, my dad's anti-COVID vaccine. Uh, he doesn't really believe in the virus, which is crazy because every anti-vax article he sends me gives my computer 10 of them. Do you read any of the articles? I try, but there's so much Simpsons porn on the side. That's tough. That's tough. Well, you don't feel the need then to, like, distance yourself from your dad? For being anti-vax? No. You shouldn't cut anti-vax people out of your life. They could be dead tomorrow. Right, so... 
Tell me about uh, tell me about what's going through your mind two seconds before you go on there. Oh, absolute paralyzed, <laughs> swallowing my dry throat, just swallowing a bunch. That's what I do when I get nervous. Yeah. Um, and it was I haven't felt that nerve that nervous since probably my first or two years in comedy. So it was it was kind of fun. Um, also not fun, the the nervousness. But yeah, then it was yeah then it was like the best thing ever after that. Well, I mean, when I you think, when you get that when you get those laughs, especially the big ones, uh, does that does that does it take away some of that nervousness? Do you say, do you go okay, cool, I got these people? Yeah, I think as soon as I had that big laugh, I felt like it was a normal comedy show, and I knew what I was doing, and mm-hmm. maybe I won't uh, explode up here, yeah, and humiliate myself. I like the weekend update desk. Yeah, it's very stand up. It's very it's yes. very much yeah. It is, and it feels that way. It feels like a, a you know a, a lot of great a lot of great characters come out of that. A lot of great bits come out of that. And it's it's like if you can't do a sketch, you can go on update. And Che and uh, and Colin Jost feel like those guys are there to support you. It must be great. They're to work so with those great. Two. Yeah, yeah, they're so great. They're so nice to laugh when they laugh and stuff. And yeah, I there's I think one time Che I think saved me from something. I can't remember. I think of the Dilbert glasses were a little hard to see through. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I kind of messed a lineup a little bit, but he laughed and it made it so funny. Yeah. And I think it was better than like if the line worked. Yeah, they're the best. Yeah, the update the update desk stuff is always a lot of fun, especially for for people who who maybe came from stand up. It's a great place to to get your voice heard on the show. It's a good place to dip the toes. Yeah. You know. And you got to Get play Puxatawney Phil vaping. You got to do Dilbert, as you mentioned. That was uh, great. And also, I mean, I think one of your one of your best uh, update desk segments uh, was when you were Michelangelo's David. Um, I think so too. Tell me a little bit about that about that bit because it was great. It was great. That was yeah. I think that was the the best thing I did this season. Um, Ken Sublet and Allison Gates. I was gonna write a different update piece about Tom Brady doing stand-up. Yeah. Oh, now we're... Uh, it. We go. Okay, go ahead. Oh. Go ahead. I went and pitched it, and uh, the guy you pitch your ideas to was like, oh, well, Kent had this, like, kind of idea of you being the statue of David, and I went and tried to remind Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah. Stop thinking about how that idea was so much better. So I went to his office and knocked on his door. Thank God I did. Yeah. Yeah, and we also we we tried not to take my shirt off. We we made a bodysuit. Oh, you did. But yeah, but we were standing in front of the mirror looking at it, and we just couldn't avoid the fact that it's going to be funnier if my shirt's off. Yeah. So he's like, I got to take the shirt off. But it was so fine with me. I don't know why. It was so freeing. <laughs> well, everything I know about myself is supposed to not want to do that. But it was great. Well, it was a reborn t- moment, truly. And I was, it was a reborn. And on top of that, you tried to stand up and show your balls a couple of times during that, which was also uh, an well, interesting. You know, I'm already almost naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, in addition to that, now you mentioned like you know you have a whole full body cast. You actually in a in a few mo- in a few scenes, like I mean, uh, like very briefly played these characters that required a lot of makeup and a lot of like costuming. Like, for instance, for two seconds, you played Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, <laughs> and it was really funny, but the fucking costume was great. And I was like, oh. And, and so the, does the costume department go, please, just 30 seconds more. Do they? 
Oh, you know they probably I mean? hate me by now. Because <laughs> you did Pennywise too. You were Pennywise yeah. for like so. But it's not me. It's not me saying do no, that. Uh, clearly, clearly, yeah. I don't know what happened, but somewhere through the season, it just kind of became a thing where I started wearing a lot of weird yeah. costumes. It was like, let's put Longfellow in the weird costume. <laughs> How do you I feel about it. that? You like that? You I, do. You love that, yeah? I do, because that's what I wanted. To, I yeah. wanted to make sure, like, I love the stand-up. I love the updates. But I want to be a sketch guy, like, on this show. And yeah. so I was so happy that they were throwing me those things. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I mean, you know, the Dilbert thing, the Puxatawney Phil thing, the David thing, all the all that stuff is so funny. And you and you wear the costumes well, and it's clear to me that like you're digging wearing those costumes. Like you're really, I am. You know what I mean? You can tell. You can really tell. And as it's far like as like a mask. the sketch stuff that you do outside of the update desk stuff, which is so strong, and obviously, you know, you take some of the stuff that you've done in your stand up and you bring it there, and it's so good, and you get that that great, you know, uh, uh, feedback and response from Che and, and Jost. But stuff of the sketches that you've done, like uh, one of my favorite sketches of the season uh, and one of my favorite episodes was the Quinta Brunson episode and um, the, the cocaine is so white. Uh, that sketch uh, is, and you were hilarious in that sketch, uh, just kind of blending into the back, into the wall and coming up. What was that? What was, that was that? Was that a fun sketch to do? Yeah, that was a great. I think that was the David episode too. That was my favorite episode of the season, I think. It, it's a great. What I did. Yeah. Um, and yeah, also just overall, cool. yeah. that was a good episode. I mean, the whole this, my cocaine is so white, it's whiter than season two of The Wire. I almost fell off the couch laughing <laughs> uh, during that line. And then when you and then you come up out of the out of the wallpaper, I just it was it's a it's a great that was a really and a great episode, not only for you, but a solid episode for the whole season. But I want to get back to the barbershop thing with Chappelle. Um, I mean, that to me, to me, that's my favorite thing that you did all season. Um, and, and I thought it was hilarious. I thought you played it so brilliantly and working with all those guys in that sketch and ladies in that sketch. Uh, tell me how that sketch happened and, and what it was like to be a part of that. Um, I think Michael Che wrote, that yeah, yeah. um, with someone I'm sure I'm forgetting. Uh, but it was originally, I wasn't supposed to, I wasn't in it originally. Oh, um, someone else was the guy and then whatever happened they were in another sketch and it like kind of conflicted or something. So last minute they kind of gave it to me, I think like the day of or day before. Um, and I was terrified because I'd never let a sketch before. Yeah. And I was yeah. kind of leading the sketch on that one. Yeah. yeah. But it was, I, it went great. It was awesome. It was, uh, I mean, I, I, I at least didn't mess it up. So that's all I was hoping for. And yeah, I think that was, uh, that was a big confidence boost. Yeah, it was. It's a great sketch, and you were very funny in it. And and uh, thanks so much, man. Yeah, no, really. And and uh, like the audience response was so, like every time. And and Keenan, um, you know, like he could get laughs by scissoring. You don't not. not oh, I mean, yeah. oh no, I'm sorry. I don't mean that. I mean like actually using your scissors, using the actual scissors. Not scissors. no. Yeah, I know. That's a whole meant. different. <laughs> that's a whole different thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like to, just suddenly going back to the haircut really quick, responding to whatever goofy thing you say. Um, is, is Keenan, cause Keenan's been on the show forever and has broken the record for longest tenure. Is he the sort of like the father of figure of everybody? Do you go to Keenan for like advice? Is he, is he the supportive guy that it feels like he is? Yeah, definitely. He's, I, he's always there if you need to talk to him. Um, 
and he's the kindest dude. It's very nice to see someone of his, I don't know, level of talent and who he is be a good dude. It's like yeah. encouraging for humanity. Um, yeah. I love yeah. Keenan. Yeah. I texted him on his birthday. I said, I respect the way you move. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's how I feel. I do. I respect the guy. He's, yeah. He does it well yeah. in every way. Let me ask you this. The first night that you're there, what's it like when the show starts? I mean, you guys were in the cold open. Um, uh, but what's it like to see your face on the opening credits? Can you describe that at all? Um, I think by that time, it's, we, it's cool, but you're also your first show's about to happen. So I think you're like yeah. kind of freaking out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very weird and awesome. It's yeah. it's so surreal that you don't really feel anything. I don't, I don't know until yeah. later, and it kind of comes in waves. You'll walk by a picture and be like, "Oh damn, I have a really cool job." <laughs> do you do you enjoy doing the pre-filmed stuff? Like uh, like what I thought one of my favorite film sketches, uh, filmed bits, uh, was the new cast advice uh, thing, which mm-hmm. obviously uh, focused on Molly killing somebody, <laughs> having to kill someone, uh, which was a very funny. So, do you like doing the pre-film stuff? Is that fun? Love it. Yeah, I love it because you get to take a second take. Yeah, you know, if you mess it up, you just get to keep doing it. And yeah, it's just uh, they run it very well. Sometimes it can be a long day, but it's always crazy how you just walk into this place and they build an entire castle or whatever this sketch needed. Like none of it's CGI. It's free. It's just it's crazy. I don't know yeah. where it all goes after. I, but yeah. It's I was astonished by the the Mario Brothers uh, thing that turned out to be better than the movie. Um, yeah, Mike's <laughs> crazy. Mike Diva, he's the director for most of those. Yeah, um, I think half of them. And yeah, he's just insane with it. I mean, Rhett's so insane. Um, did, now you mentioned uh, Quentin Bronson. Were there other ske- Were there other ones? Because it was a, it was a. You know, you guys had some great like the opening, the opening, uh, uh, se- opening of the season. Miles Teller was fantastic. Uh, he did a great job. John Hamm showing up. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Brendan Gleeson, you had Colin Farrell show up mm-hmm. for that. And you got to do the headshot sketch. That Was that was that a lot of fun? Or That was a lot of fun. I think that might have been my like one of my first lines in a sketch, I think. Yeah. It was actually like a punchline. Yeah. Um, so what do you have any other? Like Jack Harlow, I thought, did a fantastic job. Uh, you were in the luggage uh, thing. You got to sing a little bit in that, in the, in the AA meeting with the luggage. Oh, yeah. Uh, which was which was fun. Um, <laughs> you had Amy Schumer, Dave Chappelle. Those people are classic. Uh, you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short, for God's sake. What was, uh, I mean, what was that like? Those guys working with those guys. That was, uh, that, they were the only ones that made me feel like a little kid. Yeah. Uh, where I was, I had to for a second, like, be like, oh, my God, it's Steve Martin. He's <laughs> right there. Yeah, uh, I thought I was over that, but I kind of like freaked out with Steve Martin a little bit. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. Martin Short is like the nicest dude ever, and he's so funny. And they're such a funny little duo. Yeah, and they're just legends. I just couldn't believe I got to do the promo ad with them. Yeah, man. It was I know. just if I don't do anything else, I at least am in that with Steve Martin and Martin. And Short. The, and speaking of filmed stuff, that Christmas Carol thing. Oh my God, that's one oh, of the, yeah. one of the funniest film sketches of last season, man. I mean, so shout much. out Chloe. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Austin Butler did a fantastic job. He um, did. Yeah, and. Uh, 
uh, Aubrey Plaza. That was that was that was you know an incredible show. Michael mm-hmm. B. Jordan, uh, Woody Harrelson. What, what were did anybody uh, say anything to Woody after the uh, monologue? Was there anything? Uh, I'd see the fifth. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm just gonna say because you know you know you, you the very first uh, episode you talked about anti-vaxxing, and then there's Woody Harrelson <laughs> doing his thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know nothing. I didn't hear nothing. <laughs> oh man! And then like another legend, Molly Shannon. I mean, yes, yeah, freaking awesome. I love Molly yeah. Shannon. Yeah, and and now obviously the season was cut short by the writer strike. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were going to have three more shows. Um, what's what's the feeling like right now? Have you talked to some of the writers? Have you talked to obviously you know you're one of the writers on the show as well. Um, what are your thoughts on what's happening with the writer strike? I don't want to end. I'm not going to end this on a. We're going to talk about something else, but I wanted to talk about what, how the writer strike affected the show and 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 what's going to be happening in the in the meantime during the break. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I I would love to know too. I only hear little things. I've been to the picket line, but uh, it doesn't sound great from what I hear. I hear they're, you know, they're still kind of far from making a deal, and. All I hope is that it gets finished before the season starts. I hope the season doesn't have to start later because it doesn't wrap up or anything. Yeah. But, yeah, we all went in on Monday and did our normal little pitch and met Pete and everything. And we're just playing it business as usual because we didn't know. But right, right. Then, yeah, then we just got a text that was like, the season is, you know, on hold right now and then a couple weeks later it's like it's it's over yeah but it's yeah we got to do most of it it's okay it'll all be okay right everything's gonna be i just got a career (laughs) it's gonna be fine right we're all gonna figure this out everyone's gonna get paid a fair wage yeah I love that. I just, I just, I just, I just got a career. Come on, man. I just got a career. Let's come on, guys. Pay the freaking writers. <laughs> I just got a career going. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and now, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, like working with a legend, like, you, you know, again, you had Molly Shan, Fred Armisen popped in uh, as well. And, uh, you know, you had so many great legends. Now for you growing up, your experience watching SNL. Um, and I know that your favorite sketch, I read an article, your favorite sketch, one of your favorites is uh, Jeffries with Jimmy Fallon and Will Ferrell and Sean mm-hmm. Hayes. Which is one of the greatest. Phone. Yeah, with a tiny phone. And then Horatio Sands, Tercet L, that whole thing, <laughs> yeah. uh, is classic. But for you, growing up, tell me about your experiences watching it and remembering it and some of your favorite cast members and sketches. Your experience watching SNL growing up. I think my experience watching SNL, I first watched Adam Sandler movies, like Happy Gilmore and stuff. And then, you know, from there learned about SNL yeah. Um, I didn't, it wasn't like a show in my house that we watched all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was something that when I, when the internet happened, I feel like I, that's when I really got into it and started seeing all these sketches and stuff that were now available. Mm-hmm. And I think my era was like the Bill Hader, Fred Armisen. Yeah. Era, um, Kristen Wiig, that uh, Kristen Wiig, yeah, but even yeah. a little before that too, like Will Ferrell, uh, definitely. Yeah. Um. So I think my most of my experiences with SNL was watching the stuff. Uh. Okay. We lost. Oh, Michael, are you there? Story. Oh, am I here? No, you're here now. Yeah. No, you're gonna yeah, say. Yeah. Well, and then we, I just. 
so, I would watch their things and then go back and learn their story and then the uh, which I'm sorry go back because we lost you what things uh, did you watch you know like the the movies they would make after oh the SNL. movies yeah. yeah now how you know being of the age that you are um, I, I and I've talked to uh, a, a, a colleague of mine who produced my radio show for many years and he is 29. Um, and his experience with SNL really took off when the Lonely Island guys came in and, start, and started to drop their stuff on YouTube. And now everybody watches SNL, and NBC does this as well. An hour after the show, everything is, is segmented, you know, mm-hmm. and you can watch it on TV. And it was never like that when I was growing up. I don't want to say that I'm old, but I'm old. But how did that, like the Lonely Island guys and suddenly the Internet and the YouTube, did that really, is that really when it really took off for you? Yeah, I think so. I should have said the Lonely Island guys. That was definitely, I think, the moment. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people my age probably consumed SNL more through YouTube and mm-hmm. stuff than mm-hmm. actually watching it on TV. Um, yeah, Lonely Island was the they they started all that. I think. Yeah, they did. They did. What's it yeah. like when you when some when you when you let's say let's say that you know you got the barbershop sketch you got one of your one of your desk segments on, on update kills, how soon after that do you get texts from friends and stuff and how soon do you feel the effect of of that, you know what I mean? Um, usually a text from my mom right away. <laughs> yeah. And in the first half of the season, it was like text from everybody all the time, and then and then afterward, I could do a whole show and not get a text from from anyone yeah almost uh but then the next day people will like call me or something Mm -hmm. um yeah and then you know i can always just look up my name on twitter which is a healthy good thing to do (laughs) and then i can get instant results right (laughs) instant feelings whether they're good or bad it's very instant um and I, I, uh, I, I once, uh, a couple times I had the pleasure of interviewing Molly Shannon, uh, and you, of course, had the pleasure of working with her, and she, I just love her. She's my favorite female cast member in the history of the show. I just adore yep. her. I think she's insane and fearless and will do anything for a laugh, and I love her to death. And I once interviewed her, and she said, always watch The Good Nights. Always. She, she said that to me, and every single time now I watch The Good Nights. What happens on that stage during Good Nights? That, oh. and, and, is there anything that you would like to share with us? Maybe particular good nights, you know? Well, the good nights is, you know, it's when we all, uh, just for anyone that doesn't know, that's when the credits roll and we're all like hugging and stuff. Right, on stage. So yeah, we're yeah. all just, um, we're all silently threatening each other in each other's ears. <laughs> is that what's going on? <laughs> and we're saying, you know, I should have been in that fucking thing. <laughs> No, we're all we're all literally saying I love you and telling each other what we like in the sketch. And then, you know, the last minute or so is us kind of uh, just trying to look like we're, uh, you know, still talking about stuff or something, kind of waiting to to get off. The biggest thing you'd want to do is not get you don't want to go for a handshake when someone else is going <laughs> right. for a handshake with someone else. And then it looks like you got stuffed. Right. And then the internet's mind races with crazy theories. I think even if there was beef on the show, which there is not at all, yeah. as far as I can tell, yeah. no one would be unprofessional enough to demonstrate it on the TV. I don't right. think. Right. Um, so yeah, it really is just, us being like damn did it again you go yeah. to the after party blah 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 yeah 
uh, and, loved you trying to meet Kendrick Lamar and stuff. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, the only time to get you get to tra- see like the music host. So yeah, right. you try to like just get up there and get hi. in, say hi. And uh, it's always, I yeah. think it's a lot of fun to watch. And I always get pissed off when NBC cuts it off. I get so angry when they cut <laughs> it off, man. It pisses me off. I'm watching all of a sudden, boom, they cut it off. And I, you know, we go to my local station and I'm like, I don't want to see this. I want to see the good nights. So, <laughs> I don't know. So, um, you know, uh, how often do you, uh, are you writing material for your stand up, Michael? Oh, every day, all the time. I can't. Sitting down and writing is a different story, but it consumes me. I can't. Uh, I'm in the clouds all day. Yeah. I think that's why I got into stand-up. I just daydreamed a lot. And when it came time to having a marketable skill, I just had a bunch of stuff that I daydreamed. So I was like, I got to do something with this. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm always kind of writing in my head and then i'll sit down for an hour or so i try to do it every day sometimes i don't but when you do it when you do a set um do you bring in new stuff every time or do you test out stuff how does that work for you there's always a little bit of new stuff and and jokes can always uh change a little bit the more you do them Mm -hmm. so yeah if i'm doing like an hour i mean you know i gotta be good so i'll give them like 30 minutes of i try not to do much of what i've posted on like YouTube and stuff. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know what the answer to that is. Cause sometimes I won't do something and people will be like, I wish you did that. Uh, and then other times I'll do it and people will be like, I saw that online. So I don't know who to listen to, um, <laughs> at all. There's yeah. one bit that I posted online that I still throw in my act cause it, everyone just seems to like it and it always Wait, does well. Tell me about this, that. The story of me getting caught watching pornography by my father. It's uh, hilarious, man. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. It's, you know, yeah. it's a good way to handle the trauma. <laughs> so the family dynamic is a big part of your, uh, of your material. Um, I guess so. I don't know why that happened, but that was always a natural place I went to when I wrote. Yeah. Yeah. Can you, uh, what was your, fir- your, the, your, the first night you did stand up? Can you recall it? Uh, yes. I was in the Tempe center for the arts my mom signed me up for a stand-up comedy class after I told her I wanted to try it against mm-hmm. my will. I did not know it. She just told me that I signed up. Oh, she signed man. me up and I had to go. Uh-huh. And it was me and like 20 other grandpas and grandmas that wanted to try it once. Um, but we would meet every Tuesday and work. And then at the end of six weeks, we did the Class Clowns Comedy Showcase. I was in front of a bunch of families, so it went really well. Everyone liked me, and they all knew it was my first time. And then I went to the filthy Phoenix open mic scene and, <laughs> you know, was humbled and had to get actually funny and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm nervous about my Arizona answer. I don't know what I said. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. Okay. You'll be fine. Everybody in Arizona is very is it will be very fine with that. We're very fine with that. Uh, the traveling aspect of of stand up. Do you do you like it? Do you hate it? Is it something that I mean? It goes along with the territory. If you're going to be stand up, obviously you gotta, you know, you got a tour, and you're in the middle of a pretty good tour. You're going down to Texas after this, and all that kind of stuff. Do you enjoy the travel aspect? Uh, you know, the suitcase aspect of it. Yeah, it's a it's a double edged sword. I think you have to enjoy it to an extent. It, it does. It can get a little tiring or you know sometimes you're just in a hotel room watching south park eating buffalo wings sometimes you're just in a a place where there's just not much else around or you're far away from anything and ubers are expensive um but i always that was one of the reasons i got into it was i wanted to 
travel around with my little suitcase and tell my little jokes. Yeah. Uh, it is, you know, the dream is less tiring than the reality. Yeah. But it's the best job in the world, so I can't complain. I'm there always happy to travel. Well, I'm in a uh, random hotel next to a Fogo de Chao, and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> Seriously, well, I uh, love it. No, I appreciate it, man. And, you, and, and I appreciate you taking the time to do the show, man. And uh, you had a great first season. I just want to say that, man, for – you know, uh, your very first season, so many memorable things uh, that you did. You made a great impression. Um, and uh, I can't wait to see you the next, whenever the next season starts. Um, I can't wait to, to see you come back. You're terrific on the show, man. And uh, Thank and, you. And, yeah. And, uh, and everybody should check you out in, uh, at Zany's and, uh, and across, the, across the country as you tour around. Um, and then we'll all look forward to, uh, hopefully, in October, we get a new, episode, a new season of, uh, of SNL. Uh, Michael, I, I do want to close with the fact that you do a killer Anderson Cooper. Uh, so gonna... <laughs> <laughs> really? You think so? That's so funny. <laughs> I just wanted to throw that in there. I just wanted to make sure that you knew that your impressions are strong, my friend. I just oh, thank you so much, I just... <laughs> man. I appreciate it. <laughs> so, Michael Longfellow, thank you, buddy, and we'll see you on the, uh, on, uh, on the next season of, uh, of SNL. Thanks, man. Right. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Once again, a great thank you to uh, Michael Longfellow for being on that show hasn't been funny in years and thank you for checking us out and please listen to us on the 24 7 streaming service radio misfits.live you can hear this podcast every morning at 9 a.m daily and that's uh, central time uh, you can hear my other podcast too the nick d podcast daily at 3 p.m central so make sure you tune in to our 24 7 streaming service radio misfits.live and please subscribe spread the word take your time to rate and review us and give us your feedback hey uh you want to uh, make a suggestion for the snl podcast 773-417-6948 you can send us an email nickdpodcast at gmail.com my thanks to ed and everybody at radio misfits my thanks to you my thanks to michael longfellow again my thanks to rick geezer uh, who is a behind-the-scenes guy who makes a lot of this stuff happen with our interviews. And uh, my thanks to everybody at Zany's, too, for, uh, for giving us some time to talk with, uh, with Michael. And again, my thanks to Jason Skaggs, who uh, writes, performs, does all the music, and does the uh, opening intro to this and this fantastic closing outro. We'll be back again next week with a brand new episode of That Show Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. I'm Nick DiGilio. Thanks a lot. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow.